Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Let's get to James Chow, our guest. Uh, he is uh, Southeast Asia CIO at HSBC Global Private Banking and Wealth on the line from Singapore. James, thanks for being with us. So yesterday out of China, it was the weak data. And today, the PBOC-backed newspaper Financial News is saying China needs to do more to adopt a policy tools to boost growth. Are we at a critical point here on the mainland? Yeah, well, I think generally what we're seeing is a, a slowdown in economic momentum um, in mainland China, whether it's on the domestic consumption front or even uh, externally when it comes to exports. Um, so I, I think from that perspective, you're going to see uh, much more uh, easing of monetary policy to support growth. And I think that's likely to be the trend um, uh, going forward uh, in the weeks and, and months ahead. What does it mean, though, for assets in China? I mean, we've seen this weakness in the yuan, China bonds rallying, and then, of course, people saying, look, you can still see upside in equities even if the momentum in the economy is slow. What's your view? Well, we are neutral on, on Chinese equities right now because of uh, multiple headwinds. Uh, we, have, we have seen a slowdown in, in uh, industrial production, uh, weakness in property market, and also a very uncertain proje- uh, trajectory when it comes to consumption. But of course, what we have also is that there is policy support uh, when it comes to monetary easing, when it comes to perhaps even much more uh, infrastructure spending uh, going to the second half of this year. So there, there are some teams uh, in China, uh, longer term teams, particularly aligned with the investment led recovery that could happen in the second half of this year, whether it's to do with uh, the transition to a green uh, economy or even um, technological upgrades within China. So I think uh, it's a nuanced approach. We are neutral on China right now. And I think one has to be uh, uh, cognizant of some of the uh, macro headwinds uh, in the short term. So neutral on China. James, very quickly, 30 seconds or so. Are there other markets in the APAC that you're positive on right now? Uh, well, actually, we like uh, Thailand, uh, really on the back of uh, uh, recovery when it comes to uh, global travel and, and domestic consumption. Uh, we also like uh, uh, Hong Kong market, uh, really on the back of valuation and also at the margin, some reopening. So I th- and, and of course, the consumption recovery story. So I think these are the markets uh, that we like. Let's look ahead to the Fed minutes that we're getting this week. Uh, signs, of course, of what the Fed is watching to drive the September decision. Do you consider that they are going to continue to raise rates aggressively or are we going to actually see inflation come down gradually and do a lot of their work? Yeah, well, I, I think the Fed minutes will be uh, closely watched, especially to see what the Federal Reserve thinks about the economic outlook, as well as particularly on inflation, uh, because uh, in, in many ways, um, 
you, you, there is also uh, a difference in inflation in which service inflation, particularly from wages and rents, are still very high. Uh, so I, I think that that's crucial to shed more light on, on what the Fed thinks about that because crucially, uh, whether we do get a peaking of inflation, uh, I, I think the, the minutes will be closely watched in that respect. Uh, but I think by and large, it's premature to kind of think that the Fed would uh, kind of uh, pivot towards uh, cutting rates um, uh, uh, anytime uh, soon. So I think that's really because uh, inflation, particularly service inflation, is still very, very sticky. I'd like to get your take on what's happening in Japan. Yesterday, we had the GDP number. It indicates that basically the economy has recovered to its pre-pandemic size, uh, or it did so in Q2. A a growth rate of 2.2%, that's annualized. It missed the mark, but this is a preliminary read. I get that too. But what was equally perhaps as striking is that the deflator actually increased by 1.3%, the most since about uh, 2014. Are are you optimistic that maybe there... The worst is over for Japan? Uh, well, I think for uh, J- Japan, it's really still uh, a kind of a wait-and-see mode. Uh, we are uh, neutral on, on Japanese equities uh, right now, uh, really because there are still quite a bit of uh, headwinds, uh, particularly uh, Japan is very exposed uh, to, to global growth, and, and we are seeing a, a slowdown in the general manufacturing cycle. But albeit, of course, uh, Japan can benefit from uh, the Japanese yen weakness, so, so you, you might get some... Uh, winners in Japan, particularly the export-oriented uh, uh, companies. But I think on the domestic side of things, and, and I think even on, on the tourism, uh, you might still see a, a bumpy uh, road ahead. So you've talked about some of the markets that you like in, in this part of the region and perhaps don't like as well. Tell us what you're thinking when it comes to the Europe situation, because of course, recessionary concerns here are probably even stronger than what we're seeing globally. Yeah, well, I think uh, the economic growth globally is fairly uh, patchy. Uh, but I think in, in terms of uh, Europe's case, uh, there might be much more difficulties compared to uh, US or even parts of Asia, uh, re- really because uh, more growth momentum is slow. And I think inflation, it's, it's also an issue. So, of course, uh, policy will be tightening there. And, and if you think about it, particularly in terms of uh, energy supply, uh, that might become uh, an, an issue uh, going into the winter months. So I, I think quite uh, a, a bit more uh, uh, cautious uh, in, in Europe uh, going forward. Yeah, it's very interesting you make that point because I think Reuters had a piece saying that German households may have to pay nearly 500 euros more a year for natural gas given elevated energy prices. But that takes us uh, neatly to crude oil, which is down today right now in the electronic session by about 1.3%. Seems as though Iran is optimistic that the two sides may be close to a nuclear deal, Iran and the U.S. How do you play energy right now? Uh, Well, I I think as of now, I I would say that largely uh, energy price, particularly uh, oil price, it's really dependent on on the growth global growth outlook and clearly the global growth momentum is slowing uh, down but nevertheless I think there is also some beneficiaries particularly uh, energy companies uh, that, that uh, could could kind of uh, benefit from the high higher oil price generally and of course many of these energy uh, stocks does give uh, fairly good dividends. James, thank you as always. James Cho is Southeast Asia CIO at HSBC Global Private Banking and Wealth joining us from Singapore. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. 
But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.